Greetings and salutations, cool cats and cuties. Welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast, the cool, scrappy, underdog, independent Star Trek podcast. I'm David Majors, and joined for the 55th time, despite my efforts, she, she still manages to, to put up with me and my shenanigans, Miss Heather Kirby. Heather, thank you as always for joining me. Hey, you are very welcome. Yeah, despite your efforts. Sometimes your efforts come really hard, but no, we are, I, I, I always enjoy recording with you and, and we've taken a slight little break because, you know, sometimes life gets in the way, but I'm glad to be back and to be talking some Star Trek today. So am I. Now, regular listeners of the show know that about every five episodes or so, Heather and I like to bring on a guest to the podcast. Uh, usually it's another podcaster or someone we know that is a big Star Trek fan. And this time I managed to bring someone for the 55th episode that I met from another podcast. Now, some of you out there listening might know that in a past life, I hosted a podcast called the Anime Podcast of some sort. And I really like anime. I enjoy anime a lot, specifically anime in the mecha genre, which features the giant robots. Uh, not that long ago, uh, I did an episode of the Mecha Nations podcast with my buddy Stephen Hero uh, talking about Mobile Suit Gundam, the uh, 1979 anime and its film release, uh, the second film release of that series on Mechanations. And the other gentleman that joined me on that podcast uh, is here joining us today. He's a big Star Trek fan. We ended up talking all about Star Trek on, on Mechanations. Uh, please welcome everybody, the host of Giant Robot FM, PMC Trilogy. PMC, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Um, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to have a brand new guest on the podcast. Uh, maybe we can get some Star Trek Gundam crossover, which is <laughs> what I've been trying to convince people of for the last few years. There's such a Venn diagram with Star Trek and, and giant robot anime. I, I promise this is done with intent. So PMC, just to get started, I, I'd love to know, uh, what do you love about Star Trek? How long have you been a Star Trek fan? And and just, you know, all of the normal Trek questions, your favorite show, your favorite captain and all that business. So I think Star Trek is kind of interesting for me because I've almost uh, fallen into it a lot later than I think some of my peers have. Uh, when I was young, I really didn't watch much Trek. Uh, my family weren't, weren't Trekkies or anything. And so my primary exposure to Trek when I was young were the uh, Star Trek Armada games, which are uh, RTS games. Are you familiar with those? I have seen them, the, the okay. Star Trek Armada. Yeah, so that was kind of my initial exposure, and that's where I, you know, I first saw things like you know the the Borg ships and, and other other constructs like that. It wasn't until much much later, I would say, uh, kind of just post uh, undergraduate years. So this is you know early 2010s uh, that I sat down and watched TNG, and then uh, and then a few years later after that, I watched all of Deep Space Nine. Uh, and I think Deep Space Nine has really cemented things for me. I did enjoy TNG, but I, at this point, I feel pretty comfortable saying I would probably classify myself uh, as as a niner and i think that is just probably where i'll live for a while i, I need to uh, I, i've been lagging behind on, on getting to watching more and more it's actually fine i've kind of been almost consuming more more video game stuff as i think you know you mentioned some of the the streaming stuff uh, before we, we got started um so but i think that's kind of where i sit really is just that i i watch tng i watch ds9 really really like ds9 uh, i've just had a great time playing deep space nine the fallen uh, which is you know a video game based on deep space nine and uh, you know beyond that i'm kind of um Picking and choosing, uh, you know, because I, I want to get into this era of, of New Trek, which I haven't gotten into. And it sounds like there's some really great things uh, for me to get into. I just haven't taken the plunge yet. Uh, and actually, I, you know, I was going to, you know, seek maybe a, a recommendation question because I feel like when I hear people talk about New Trek, uh, they're often doing it in the context of comparing it to, to older shows. Um, but my, a lot of my, time that i use for watching uh, i share you know with my wife and she's like i would describe her as a trek skeptic she i think she mm. had some negative experiences growing up 
And so, uh, and so I was going to say, you know, for some of the new Trek, because I've heard great things, especially about Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks, uh, are there non-Trek things that you would compare those shows to that I could use as a sales pitch? I think in the case of new Star Trek, the best example of something that would be something that doesn't necessarily compare to Star Trek is probably Star Trek Discovery. I think mm. that'd be the one. Um, I It's only at four seasons right now, and none of them are super duper long. But I do believe that that is the one uh, that is more of the linear storytelling akin to DS9, uh, which is something that Star Trek didn't always do, uh, except for DS9 and Discovery. Mm-hmm. I, I think Discovery has a fantastic cast of actors, and I believe that the things they talk about and the things they do uh, are a little bit more tied in with our modern world, rather than being so connected to the Star Trek franchise and the Star Trek universe. So I would say... Maybe Star Trek Discovery might be the one for your wife. I would say season one, your mileage may vary. But after that, season two and onwards, yeah, I think Discovery would be the one. What do you think? Well, like I am very much a I love Star Trek Discovery. Um, If she has not watched a lot of Trek before. It, it It is definitely unique. It stands on its own. It doesn't fit the, the Trek bubble comparison. But what I think you were asking was what like show could you actually compare one of the newer shows to? It, like in explaining to her so yeah yeah if, if she you know for example let's say she really liked um you know the expanse to bring up another sci-fi television show i would say well you know really more so than being maybe what you remember uh, discovery is like this yeah um i i'm not sure if i could find something that would compare discovery in that way but uh, if we're talking about Lower Decks, like you could describe it as the Star Trek Rick and Morty because it was it, it's created and run by Mike McMahon, who was one of the same creators as Rick and Morty. It, it has a lot of the same uh, comedy and, and just funness about it to it. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard great things about that. Stephen Hero, my, my co-host on, on Giant Robot FM, has uh, you know certainly encouraged me <laughs> to, to appreciate lower decks. So that certainly uh, jives with what I've been told. And please, if you do get Paramount Plus and check it out, let us know. We're we're definitely interested in finding a little bit more about uh, anyone checking out new Star Trek. For mm-hmm. sure. Um, but before we find out about that, let's jump into uh, the actual podcast. Now, for new listeners of the show, we do this in sort of a three act format where we talk the old business, which is classic Star Trek, which includes anything from the cage up to and including the Kelvin movies. So let's just jump in. Uh, we do need to address the passing of Nichelle Nichols, uh, of course, best known for her role as Lieutenant Yota Uhuru on the original series and the the first era of Star Trek movies. Um, I did get an opportunity to talk about Nichelle Nichols on Strange New Pod with Giraffe. I was very fortunate to co-host a lot of that podcast with her. Uh, Heather, you sent in a clip. Uh, and PMC, uh, were you familiar with Nichelle Nichols in the original series at all? So I'm not familiar with the original series itself, uh, but I did want to be very complimentary because uh, so t- for TOS, I've ex- experienced it through i had seen one of the movies and really what i saw more of were the pair of classic uh, adventure games by interplay the 25th anniversary and judgment rights which does feature the whole cast including nichelle nichols uh, and the whole cast does an outstanding job and so to have you know her talent there along with everyone else's uh, i have i have nothing but you know positive impressions uh, based on on that work I would say that in the case of Nichelle Nichols, you can definitely check out the movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that her character really shines 
in the movies uh, more than the series itself. But you can check out the original series because she definitely does have moments, uh, including in the animated series as well, that only lasted for one season. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about that later. I didn't talk too much about it on Strange New Pod. But Heather, uh, please, Nichelle Nichols, uh, tell me how you're feeling and, and your thoughts. Yeah, I I mean, she was just such a a a force of nature, I think, is the best way to describe it. I mean, when you look, especially at the women of TOS um, and, and just the the roles that the, they were given in, in that time frame, um, like we we talk about TOS as being like the Bones, uh, Spock and Kirk show. Like it, it's focused around the three of them, but Uhura still made such a lasting impact. Just being a part of the show, even if she didn't have that much to do, even if she was just on the bridge or only had a couple lines, just like she she still made such an impact, and I'm so glad that they made the movies afterwards where her character was allowed to be more uh, than what she was in the series. Uh, Her her character was allowed the opportunity to develop more because they came later uh, because in that time, like it, it was more acceptable to have a more vocal and, and, and working women character like that. Uh, So yeah, she she's just she's an incredible, incredible force to be reckoned with. And I, I mean, we've reached the point of Star Trek being around so long that we're lo- losing actors that were a part of it. And and I, I don't know, there, there's just something about her passing that just hits differently for me and I can't really sure. explain it. I, I, I don't really have the words to explain why I'm, I am so affected by it because I, I, I honestly, for myself, I am a huge fan of Majel Barrett and I've talked about that many a times. And so uh, Christine Chapel was my favorite character on TOS over Uhura. So I really can't explain why uh, just just the news of her passing just really hit me, but it did. And I, I, think, I that, think that that just shows the impact of her. I think, Heather, you've already done a great job of explaining why it has affected you and many others uh, just as strongly. I think that her legacy speaks for itself. And I empathize with you completely. Uh, like I talked about on Strange New Pod, it reminded me of how significant it was to my mother to see her. Uh, it reminded me of how much Gene Roddenberry in various episodes throughout the airing of the show wanted to give her more of a spotlight, but he always got brushed back from the network or board standards and practices. Uh, and... It really is like hearing it in your voice. I absolutely understand why it would affect you as much as it did, because her legacy is so enormous and it really is something special to see someone's legacy start and continue for nearly 60 years. And that is going to be something that continues on and on and on for a long, long time. And I think if nothing else, that is something we can celebrate. We can celebrate that her life and her legacy is going to last much longer than her own life here and a lot longer than than a lot of us as well. Absolutely. Let's jump into new business and let's let's talk about some things that are happening in the world of Star Trek right now. Uh, So Star Trek Strange New Worlds uh, is a hit. I mean, is it perfect? No, but it's a hit. It's a critical hit. It's a hit with fans. And now it has received four different nominations in the Saturn Awards, the awards that celebrate the best in genre entertainment and genre fiction. 
including best streaming sci-fi series with a nomination also for Star Trek Discovery. Anson Mount, playing Captain Christopher Pike, got a nomination for Best Actor in a Streaming Series. Ethan Peck, Best Supporting Actor. And this one really popped me. Jess Bush, Nurse Chapel, getting nominated for Best Supporting Actress in a Streaming Series. Yeah. Um, Heather, I, I know you're you're the Christine Chapel fan. How did you feel when you saw this one? Oh, you, you know, like I said, I love Christine Chapel. I think Jess, Jess Bush did a wonderful job. But I'm really surprised. Like, I think that that nomination should have gone to Christina Chong. I am inclined to agree. Yeah. Um, I also want to say uh, SMG and David Ajala were robbed because they didn't get freaking nominated. Like, come on. <laughs> if you are not familiar, uh, I said for months on end that in Star Trek Discovery Season 4, David Ajala, who played Cleveland Booker, put on an acting performance that was nothing short of a revelation. Um, PMC, uh, I would say that if I would give you a good place to jump in, uh, Star Trek Strange New World Season 1 has been, for a lot of people, just a great Star Trek gateway show. And I think that'd be a great place for you and your wife to start, honestly. Because it is, it is very much... Star Trek as you would imagine it, but it's also done with today's technology and sci-fi writing and, and it is a Star Trek show for today and it works really, really well. And I would say that for Discovery as well. I think that the award nominations here for Discovery and Strange New Worlds are are very earned. Um, I'll ask you, PMC, when you have a show that you really like that gets recognized like this, uh, as a fan of a show, it's got to get you a little bit excited, right? Yeah, you know, it really does. And I think a big part of that is because you know that uh, something like this, like Saturn Awards, is going to bring it to the attention of other people. And I think I think it's that kind of excitement of feeling like you were you were in on something early, right? Like you, you found something, it really excited you, but you didn't see other people necessarily hooked into it just yet. But you know, something like this, you know, that's gonna that's gonna cause attention to turn towards it. You know, and that's just that's just exciting. That's the opportunity for for more people to come to to the thing that you're enjoying, which, of course, you're always you know ex extremely happy to share something that you enjoy. Agreed. Agreed. And when you see something like this getting recognized, uh, it makes you feel like it really is something special. And I felt that way about Star Trek Discovery, actually, uh, more than Strange New Worlds. Uh, now that its fifth season is in production, I, I think that we can comfortably say that Star Trek Discovery is, is pretty darn good, Heather, wouldn't you say? I think so. I, 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 I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there who... We're very excited about Strange New Worlds, very happy with Strange New Worlds, uh, want to praise it. But, you know, uh, with all the new shows that we have right now, uh, Strange New Worlds, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, uh, none of these shows would have been possible without the success of Star Trek Discovery. And so it, I, I just, Star Trek Discovery is something really special. It's something that stands on its own. It, it, it's something that continues to, to grow and evolve. And I, I, I just really enjoy watching that. I would say that in many ways, Star Trek Discovery isn't just the catalyst for this new era of Star Trek. I think it's really the catalyst for the entirety of Paramount Plus, because we would talk on the podcast years ago how Discovery was getting huge numbers on when it was still called CBS All Access. Yeah. And Discovery was carrying 
that streaming service to the point where the demand for Star Trek was noticeable enough to where it started to go into high gear. So, yeah, I think that when it's all said and done, Discovery is going to be a show that is remembered for a long, long time. I, I mean, it, it really is the, the show that helped build Paramount Plus into what it is today. And if you look at a lot of their their other app exclusive programming, I mean, you have a, a lot of Star Trek, but then they're also starting to evolve into other genres like the Halo series, which I thought was fantastic. Like I said, I'm not a gamer, but I really enjoyed the series. Uh, so please don't, <laughs> if anyone has watched it, don't come after me for it not being canon or whatever. But the series that they made around the the, the, the story of that game was incredible and and you know like i said it's it's stuff like that that wouldn't have been possible without discovery and now you'll see more on paramount plus just to wrap it up you're seeing more work from alex kurtzman and his production studio all over paramount plus and I, I guess he's not fired yet, Heather. <laughs> I guess he still hasn't been fired. I, I mean, uh, th- there are people on the internet who want to deny it, but Alex Kurtzman is to Paramount Plus the way like Shonda Rhimes is to a- ABC or Dick Wolf is to NBC or Ryan Murphy is to whoever the hell Ryan Murphy is producing shows for now. Like Alex Kurtzman is elevating himself to that level of producer because of the quality of shows he's making right now. And it all started with what show? Star Trek Discovery. Damn right. Uh, PMC, have we made the case for Star Trek Discovery yet? I'm excited to watch Discovery now. You know, I I really, especially to hearing that it has, it has carried these things. It has uh, now, you know, now the fifth season is in production. Like, I feel like that kind of legacy, you know, to compare it to Halo, Halo carried the Xbox famously. There's something special about Halo and, you know, it went on a while. Uh, And so maybe likewise here, there's something special about Discovery. Uh, I completely agree. Although I will also say once again, season one, not unlike the next generation, your mileage may vary. Season one, your mileage may vary. I'll ask you this, PMC. I got a question Mm -hmm. for you. Since we are both fans of mecha anime, are you a collector? I am not actually. I'm sort of. Um, I, I'm sort of. I want to say against, like, or present myself as antagonistic. But generally, I have avoided collecting things in my in my time. You know, the same, honestly, uh, because I've been an apartment dweller most of my life. I've just really never had the real estate for it, honestly. But I always really appreciate things like Gundam models and and starships and all of these things. And the Star Trek fandom had this company called Eagle Moss, uh, and they did all kinds of model spaceships and starships from various franchises. And unfortunately, they folded uh, not that long ago. Uh, But Heather, I'm sure you've heard of Eagle Moss. Yes. uh, And the director of of Eagle Moss has said that uh, post-mortem, it seems as though CBS is actually going to try and support the Star Trek Starships collection to hopefully get remaining Starships or maybe more Starship models out to people. I, you know, I, I think that is actually a good move on CBS's part. Uh, they, they are have been criticized many, many times for very much keeping the, the, the Star Trek brand and, and the merchandise um, associated with that in a very limited form. Uh, so the, the licenses they do have out there, like I, I'm glad they want to support it. Um I have heard both good and bad things about Eagle Moss. I only own one starship from their collection that was gifted to me. So I didn't actually get into buying them myself, which was good. Uh, which one? Which one? Uh, the Discovery version of the Enterprise. 
Ooh, the disco prize. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, So, but they they are a good quality uh, models, but they have some like structural issues. Like a lot of them, the, the stands that they make for them don't fit very well. They don't sit on the stands very well. So they're very hard to display in that instance. Um, so I would hope that even if they, they do support getting the, at least some of the finish lines out there, or if they give the license to another company in the future, that that's something that company would work on. Um, PMC, um, I'll make a comparison. If, say, Crunchyroll or Time Warner or somebody uh, officially worked with Sunrise to get more Gundam models out to people and made sure that every Gundam anime was out there and as many Gundam models as people could possibly get, uh, that's kind of what CBS looks to be doing now. Because since this era of Star Trek, they're... they're pushing of of merchandise and and support of merchandise for star trek in my opinion has been a bit subpar quite frankly Uh, i think that we're still seeing people make or order their own cosplay uniforms when cbs could make tons of money from that and they're not uh starships that was already handled but it looks like now they're getting involved uh and things just go on and on from there um i think you being an anime fan like i am you understand how hard it is to get decent merchandise and collectibles oh absolutely you know what was really eye-opening was a while back steven did an interview with someone uh, who runs a hobby shop in uh, in our area and the uh, the history and like wrestling and you know what, what goes on with supply chains. I mean, generally, not even just specifically in the past few years of supply chaining, but like you know how, how those lines have worked in in, in the first place. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't. It is it is not automatic, and I can certainly understand how. In the case of Trek, uh, you know, CBS, I don't think has its own you know model model kit making facility. Uh, that you know that some of those things could fall by the wayside, unfortunately, right? Because I'm sure people would love to have uh, great-looking models of a lot of the well-designed ships that appear. Most definitely, uh, I think that I feel like this could be a good sign uh, in a number of different ways because this could lead to not unlike Star Trek Prodigy being on Nickelodeon, kids love toys. And the more opportunities you have to reach younger audiences, the the better off you are, I think. Heather? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, We need more toys. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Everybody likes toys, including including adults. Uh, But one thing that adults and maybe some kids who probably shouldn't be watching do love is Star Trek Lower Decks. And... On the last episode, I was freaking out just a little bit about Strange New World Season 1 ending and the gap between that and the premiere of Season 3 of Lower Decks. Because we had been getting new Star Trek continuously for for a long time, but we have an official date for Season 3. It will be August 25th. So as we're recording this, PMC, you've got about two weeks to get set up with Paramount Plus and and get ready to check out Lower Decks. Uh, As we last left off, Captain Freeman of the USS Cerritos was arrested, and it was a very TNG-esque season-ending cliffhanger, PMC, uh, and it is returning on August 25th. Watching TNG in the early 2010s was such a startling experience because I had forgotten all about the 90s TV cliffhanger you would that you would end a season with like like x files or something would have mm-hmm. uh, it's always so it's so funny to to remark upon the sort of you know the trends of of an era when you when you return to an older show but lower decks does it in such a way and it is such a almost obsessive love letter to the next generation <laughs> 
that you can't help but appreciate the charm in how it was done. And I think you'll definitely get a kick out of Lower Decks. I really, really do. Uh, Heather, Lower Decks is coming back. I'm excited. I'm pretty sure you're excited. It's not going to be nearly as long as we expected. So, yes, I promise I'm okay. It's August 25th. I told you it wasn't going to be that long and you would be okay. But no, <laughs> you still had to freak out. Uh, yeah, Lower Decks is coming back. Um, I, I, I'm really excited to see where they go with the season. I think it's going to be... Uh, more adventurous, like an entirely different level of adventurous this year. So uh, it'll, it'll be really cool to see what happens. And Mike McMahon finally heard my gripes and complaints and lower decks is doing a DS nine episode. Yes. They're going to DS nine. That's going to be so cool. I'm very excited. All the more reason for you to check it out, PMC. Absolutely. No, no. I do think Steven mentioned that to me and I was like, all right, well, now, you know, now I'm hooked. (laughs) Yeah, because for the first two seasons, um, it was very it covered all of Star Trek, but leaned really into TNG. And every time that there was a little bit of something about DS9, it was always kind of brushed off very quickly. And I would get annoyed because. I like DS9 a lot, too, but now it seems like they they, they announced it at Comic-Con uh, and also announced a future episode of Strange New Worlds where there will be a crossover episode with Lower Decks. And that that just sounds crazy, but kind of awesome at the same time. I, so I mean, yeah, that sounds completely awesome. And we've talked about this ever since Lower Decks started. Like, they casted people who look like their characters. So if they were ever going to do a crossover episode, like, all of them can play their characters in live action. And that's what they're doing with Strange New Worlds. And that's going to be so cool, I think. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's going to be so cool. It, it's... I'm so into Star Trek right now. I'm so into it. And I cannot wait for Lower Decks to come back because we had a cliffhanger from the last season. Uh, we're going to see Brad Boimler's Raisin Farm, uh, not unlike PMC, uh, not unlike the Picard Vineyard. Uh, Brad mm. Boimler, he has a raisin farm. His family has a raisin farm. Uh, and it's it's just brilliant. It's such a funny show. And it is just brilliant and going back to merchandise cbs maybe some boimler raisins some boimler raisins put them out there at cons who knows people might check it out oh people would definitely check it out and i think even if they don't do it can you like i saw someone post this online they're like can you imagine how many boxes of raisins jack quaid is going to be handed to sign at cons in the future yes <laughs> a lot yes 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 <laughs> and he'll do it too he'll oh, yeah, totally absolutely do it. will yes oh man star trek it's great so great that i'm going to star trek las vegas aka the 56 year mission put on by creation entertainment at the end of august my hot nerd summer continues on and i was at otakon where i met uh pmc's co-host steven hero and i had some I had quite a few Star Trek fans that noticed my Strange New Worlds cosplay, which is really cool. And there was also a vendor that was selling these really cool Star Trek jackets. And they also said they're going to be in Las Vegas as well. Heather, I'm going to Vegas. That is awesome. I hope you have a wonderful time. Uh, I am planning on trying to go to Vegas next year. That's my plan for the big Star Trek con next year. I don't think I'm going to go to Seattle, but I will instead plan on going to Vegas. Okay. Uh, 
PMC Star Trek Las Vegas has been uh, until the the Star Trek Mission Convention started earlier this year in Chicago. It was like the big yearly Star Trek convention. Like there are various other smaller conventions kind of spread across, but Star Trek Las Vegas is like the big Star Trek convention. It was where Patrick Stewart announced that he would be returning to the franchise as Jean Luc Picard. Uh, other things have been announced there. It's it's the big Star Trek. Con and uh, I don't know why. I guess I'm just crazy, but I went to Otacon in DC and now I'm going to Star Trek Las Vegas. You're going all over. It's both sides of the country there. It is. It is. Um, yeah, I figured it's the summer. We were all locked in our houses for two years. You know, I'm might as well enjoy myself, right? Oh, yeah. I hear you there. I definitely I, I finally got let loose this summer, too. I finally went to uh, to an event myself. Where'd you go? Oh, I went to uh, to Summer Games Done Quick, uh, which is a biannual oh, yeah. charity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. SGDQ. Uh, so I, I did attend. I didn't have any runs in it, but I do, did do commentary. And of course, you know, spent a lot of time with uh, with friends who I hadn't seen in a while. Awesome. Awesome. Did you save the animals or no? I actually do not think that Super Metroid was on the schedule. I the ah. the, the big finale games were it was a lot of like Elden Ring. Uh, there was a lot of good other RPGs. Uh, it was honestly I've been really happy with. Uh, I mean, this is getting quickly inside baseball speed running, but you know the the games done quick committee, which has to pick through thousands of submissions. Uh, I think they did an outstanding job as usual, and you know, and I and I, I look forward to seeing uh, you know how the events go in the future. Now I will ask you, PMC. Mm. Is there a Star Trek game you think you could speedrun? All right, I have like a I have like a whole spiel about this, and if you want, I, if you want I, me to let me loose, I will I will go into P, it. PMC, you have the con. Okay, so here's the thing: uh, Star Trek, as far as I know, no Star Trek video game has ever been at a mainline GDQ. I want to change that. So I have been working, as I mentioned, I think earlier, I've been working on Star Trek: Deep Space Nine: The Fallen which is a, a game that is set between the sixth and seventh seasons of DS9. It has three playable characters. Uh, you can play as Cisco, Kira, or Worf, and they each have different missions that sort of, it's like an inner interdependent campaign where you'll see things from, you know, Cisco's perspective and you'll hear Worf saying something, but when you play as Worf, you'll know where he is when he says that. So it's kind of neat. It's kind of those, those uh, weaving narratives. It's a year 2000 PC game. And I think it's got a lot going for it as a speedrun. I had taken a first pass at it uh, back in the spring, just kind of figured out, is this doable? And yes. And then I'm coming back to it now. And I have found uh, some interesting speedrun tech. I've routed some things better. Uh, and, I, and I think I'm really excited to to submit it, too, because, you know, you mentioned already, David, uh, the infamous or famous, uh, you know, kill or save the animals bid war, which if you're not familiar with that, Super Metroid has a thing at the end where you can choose to save or kill the animals. And it is uh, it is such a famous bid war in games done quick circles that if you were to, uh, to Google that, you would quickly find articles charting how much money has been raised by this uh, donation incentive alone. And so, of course, donation incentives appear all throughout the marathon. And I think it would be really compelling and also kind of fun to submit this game and uh, you know have the estimates written out for each character and offer a bid war between Cisco, Kira, and Worf. And I think that mm. would just be, uh, you know, because I'm sure, you know, people, I, you know, look, I don't think it's uncommon now. People have seen Deep Space Nine, or even if they haven't, they might, you know, know, know the characters, or at least maybe know Worf from watching TNG. And I think, um, you know, I think it would be a great show to put on it for the event, of course. I, it's, a, it's a fun run. And I also think, you know, it would be fun to tie in uh, you know, the, the sort of Star Trek into an event like Games Done Quick, because, of course, the ultimate purpose is to put on a good show, uh, you know, to benefit the charity. You know, if you end up on the couch, you have to be in uniform, right? I was actually, you know, David, you're reading my mind because <laughs> I, I, I almost asked you during the segment about merchandise, but I figured maybe it'd be better for this segment about Trek convention experiences. Uh, how how easy or difficult is it? Because I, honestly, I'm I, that would be my take too. It, right now, let's say hypothetically, in the in the fall in September October, 
the the GDQ staff open submissions. I submit Deep Space Nine. They accept the bid war. And I'm going to turn around and I'm going to announce like, look, if you're going to be on commentary on the couch for this run, you have to be in uniform. But of course, I also have to get a uniform. So what's the best way to get a uniform? I usually get mine from Wish, honestly. Um, Their shippings is pretty good, Um, even if it is coming from China. Mm -hmm. I think that. It quality is good. Shipping is good. I usually get it from Wish. Uh, Heather, how about you? Um, there's a lot of really decent uh, uniform sellers on eBay. Like I said, most of them are from China, but they there's a couple that do a really good job at making sure they're as uh, screen accurate as possible. So, uh, it, it, like I said, it is technically, it's not licensed, a licensed uniform, it's counterfeit, but it's going to look really good on you. And they even go as specific as like, because of course, as I mentioned before, this game is set late DS9, so they are all wearing late DS9 uniforms. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely get a DS9 uniform. Oh yeah, you can definitely get the, the, the gray shouldered jacket. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Absolutely. No, that's really exciting. As I said, I, I mean, I think you can tell that I'm really excited to to submit this. I Just this past few weeks, I've been knocking the time down. A lot of the times were around a little over an hour, and I got two of them down to low 40s. Cisco has more missions than Kira or Worf, which is, you know, just a, an obstacle you have to overcome in your life sometimes. But I still got his time down to low 50 minutes. Uh, a lot of a lot of fun stuff. I don't know if you watched much 3D action speedruns, but there's all the usual shenanigans. There's using explosives to jump to places you shouldn't be able to, and you know other fun stuff like that. So it's got it's got a lot of the usual tricks of the trade. But of course, with all of the uh, almost all of the original voice cast, uh, I should mention they have Kevin Michael Richardson instead of Avery Brooks as Cisco, uh, and then I think there is another actor instead of Cole Meany for O'Brien. But everyone else, uh, you know, is is in that game. Uh, so you do hear Nana Visitor and uh, Michael Dorn and and all the rest of the of the crew. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, I'm hoping that you do able that you are able to make this happen, PMC. If you do. I will make sure to donate for sure. And I will, I will spread the word. Uh, if there, if you even get like a whole Trek block, like, uh, my beloved Sonic block, I will make sure to spread the word and donate and, and make sure that Trekkies everywhere see SGDQ. I want to ask you though. Um, I've been really excited for the upcoming game, Star Trek Resurgence. Uh, I want to know if you've seen this, uh, if you are as excited as I am for it. Yeah, I'm definitely excited because I I, I think um, as much as I love The Fallen, I think Star Trek games have excelled when they have really laid into the narrative aspect of it. That's not maybe it's. Not too surprising to say, but to see, uh, you know, some of the talent that had worked on the Telltale Studios games come to Star Trek uh, is is super exciting. And unexpectedly, it, it appears that there is a little bit of action going on, a little bit of maybe Mass Effect style action. And so, you know, it, not only does it appeal to my love of narrative Star Trek uh, in a gaming format, but also... Uh, and you know me, I'm going to be poking around looking for, for speedrun potential. So it, it really excites me on both fronts. I love what I've seen of the narrative itself because it absolutely looks like very much say, I, I called it maybe a, a three part Star Trek episode <laughs> where you clearly have a, a plot that definitely looks like something that would be on an episode of the next generation or DS nine. Uh, but it's a, a multi-part episode, uh, including a spot cameo and everything I've seen of this. It, it is not just made me excited as a star Trek fan, but as someone who's not a huge gamer, but will play video games from time to time. And I've always loved the telltale games it has made me really excited about this game that I haven't been excited about a game in a long time. 
Yeah, I think the way that it's it's clearly geared to be an experience, I, I think for for anyone and everyone to to enjoy. I'm really curious uh, to see you know what what the options are going in the terms of how you configure your experience. Uh, but also, as you I, said, the, the narrative I, it just looks very promising as well. From what I can tell, you can play three different roles uh, in the game. You have like an officer and like two different crewmen, from what I can tell. And they, they all have different roles in the story. And I, I saw an interview with the guys writing and directing the game with IGN a couple of weeks ago. And... It felt so genuine, like they were the most genuine Star Trek fans that uh, I've come across outside of my own circles in a really long time. And that was that was really refreshing to think that the people that made like the Batman Telltale games or the Walking Dead Telltale games, which I loved, uh, are making a Star Trek game. And especially because it's those guys so it won't have to be like a, a really action heavy game that maybe not everyone will be able to play um i i'm really excited for this one i think that even people who are not huge into video games will really get a kick out of this i did have one question because i was refreshing myself on on information before before the podcast just to make sure i was i was up to date with things a lot of the literature that turned up when i was searching for this game said releasing spring 2022 um that is that is coming yeah i don't know there was maybe it just i found maybe my google uh, honestly i complain about search engines every day so maybe the search engines are rebelling against me and just giving me old results is there updated information on when when we can expect this or everything that i've seen is going to be late 2022 okay so possibly end of the year i wouldn't be surprised if it's early 2023 sure yeah yeah but yeah, early 2022. Um, no, I'm looking here and they're saying confirmed to be Q3 2022. So not too far away. Not too far. Through. I mean, I can see them, at- them timing the release for like the holiday season, stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's right around the time that it'd be almost for another season of Star Trek, wouldn't it? I don't know anymore. Don't make me do math <laughs> on Sunday. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I think we covered just about everything. So I think this will wrap up another episode of the Promenade Merchants podcast. Uh, PMC Trilogy, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, let everybody know about Giant Robot FM and everything else you've got going on. Yeah. So if you are interested in hearing more about my adventures, uh, those come in two flavors. One, as, uh, as David mentioned, is Giant Robot FM which is a podcast focused on mecha anime. Uh, we're going to be covering Planet With soon, which is a, a relatively new mecha anime. So we're really excited to share that with people. And in the past, you know, we've covered uh, some Gundam shows and, you know, had David on as a, as a guest. And, uh, you know, so please check out our back catalog. Uh, that's available everywhere at, uh, you know, Giant, Giant Robot FM. You can search it on your podcatcher. Uh, you can check out twitter.com slash giant robot FM. Uh, if you're interested in my adventures with streaming and speedrunning. Uh, you can probably look for my personal accounts, uh, which would be either twitch.tv slash PMC trilogy or twitter.com slash PMC trilogy. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I, hopefully I'll be you know posting in the next few months that Star Trek is going to GDQ. I certainly got that project and, and others. And I'll probably hopefully be playing some more Star Trek games in the future. We'll see. As I mentioned earlier, there is a great there is a great universe out there, a great frontier one last thing for i know a few of our our listeners out there play it do you play star trek online no you know online games are are a big uh a big gap for me i've generally been someone who's never played wow or runescape or anything like that so unfortunately i I cannot provide any input on that okay i was figuring there might be a handle and you might be able to make some friends out there but uh, maybe not okay Heather, thanks as always for doing this episode. Um, Tell everybody if you've got anything, what else have you got going on? 
Well, you know, I, I've got a couple things going on, but nothing that we're ready to release yet. So I'm still working on a special podcast project with uh, two of our good friends of the podcast. And uh, we are planning on examining uh, basically episodes of Star Trek that would qualify to be on Law & Order SVU. Uh, so we're going to do a, a, a deep dive into uh, some of the abuse and trauma inflicted on Star Trek and Star Trek characters and show that, you know, it, it's, it's not all happy and roses uh, and, and talk about some really hard things. So uh, we are lo- currently looking for any guests who... Uh, actually do that for a living so anyone who is a Star Trek fan but also a therapist a mental health professional uh, works with abuse victims we would love to have you join us and talk about use some of your expertise to talk about uh, these issues in Star Trek Amen Heather, one thing that I love about both of us is that we're both using Star Trek and finding different things to cross over to make sense with Star Trek. You're doing Law and Order. I'm doing Mobile Suit Gundam. And we're both doing our best to bring more people into this amazing franchise. And I cannot wait to hear what you've got lined up. I cannot wait. I know who you're working with on it, and I'm incredibly excited. Everyone follow Heather at NerdyGal33. She's fantastic. And follow the podcast at Prom Trek Pod on Twitter. You can get the Promenade Merchants podcast wherever podcasts can be aggregated. Of course, at my old URL, DeltaJulietMike.com, if you want to listen over the web. But it's in Spotify. It's in Amazon. It's in Apple Podcasts. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. I've painstakingly made sure that the RSS feed is wherever podcasts can be downloaded. So for Heather, thank you again, PMC. This has been the Promenade Merchants Podcast. And until next time, live long, kick ass.